Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast, where we tell the true stories of the vaccine injured that many don't want to hear. These are real people sharing real experiences, uncensored and unsanitized. Listen and learn with us as we tell the stories that have yet to be heard by those who've been discarded. No preaching, no propaganda, and no judgments, just the truth. Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. I'm your host. My name's Jared St. Clair, and today I've got a couple of people that I want to introduce you to, uh, and they are from uh, up north in Canada. Uh, most of the people that I've interviewed so far have been here in the U.S., but we've had a Scottish person on. We've had a couple of Brits. We've had one other Canadian, and now we've got two more that I want to introduce you to. And part of the reason I bring that up at all, and not that it really matters where these injuries occur, but what I think does matter is that these injuries occur all over the world. This is certainly not just an American problem, even though I'm an American podcaster. Uh, so I, as much as possible, I want to cast that net out as far as possible and grab stories from wherever we can, because I believe that everybody, this is a non-political problem, in my opinion, although it is often treated politically. And uh, we shouldn't really care all that much if someone's in Russia or Tokyo or America or Canada. Uh, we are all human beings uh, living this life, and we need these stories to be heard all across the world. So if you hear, when you hear what uh, you're about to hear, and you want to help, one of the simplest things that you can do is simply just share this show with anyone and everyone that you believe would needs to hear it. And I'll tell you that I think everybody needs to hear it. So uh, get it out there and uh, let's try to let these powerful and important voices who that have so often been muted um, heard. So that's what we're doing today on Dearly Discarded Podcast. And we're going to introduce to you something that I'll want you to see in the future. And that is a documentary that these two fine women are working on today. Today, I've got for you Jamie Killen and Kristen Ditzel. And welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast, ladies. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you for having us. So I didn't know who you were until five minutes ago, and uh, that's often the case, most times the case uh, when I do this show, but we usually have at least one mutual friend in Bree Dressen, and oftentimes more, and we've already had a good laugh about a couple of the other friends that we've made <laughs> through this process, uh, and uh, so it's uh, I feel like I know you just a little bit, but I'm really excited to let you tell your story here. Um I, let's start with what I always start with, and that is the, the first question. Uh, when did the vaccine injury occur, and which of the two of you, for people that are unaware, uh, got injured? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Me, Kristen. Um, while both of us got injured, our lives were both really heavily affected, but um, my brain in particular so I got my first Pfizer shot March 16th, 2021, which was early rollout for healthcare practitioners in Canada. And I dropped on site within 20 minutes and lost full control of my limbs. And within 20 um, minutes of the first shot, right? First, first shot, and only shot. First and only. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. And, um, 
I was one of the lucky ones because it was heavily documented because I was on site. Um, it started with an anaphylactic like reaction that occurred over the first couple days and heavy neurological symptoms that declined for months after um, that left me with a severe brain injury. So it crossed my blood brain barrier and just attacked multiple areas of my brain. Now you said healthcare workers, so you were in healthcare at the time. What were you doing? I was a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so right down my alley then. Oh, good. Um, yeah. yeah love, love herbs over here. Love them. Um, <laughs> okay, so that's an interesting <laughs> thing, though. So you're up in Canada. Canada was pretty heavy-handed politically on uh, these shots and <laughs> quarantines and everything else. There were a lot of places I looked around me <laughs> and thought. Well, at least I'm not there. Uh, during <laughs> oh, my God. So Canada was one of those places. Sad times up here for sure. Yeah. 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 So uh, I, was there a lot of pressure or were you signing up because you felt like it was the right thing to do? What was your mindset at the time? There was a lot of political pressure. Obviously, with my background, it wasn't something that I was really that excited about. Mm -hmm. I... Um, yeah, there was a lot of pressure. There was pressure knowing that it was coming down the pipes as far as our regulated bodies. We were very restricted as far as practicing. We were at that point changing our clothes in between patients. We hadn't been allowed to work for quite some time, had got back into work, and we were just kind of scared of losing the ability to work again and making sure that our patients really felt safe. Hmm. Okay. And so again, as you stated, March was very early in the rollout. Uh, not that many people at that point had had one of these things. Uh, and what I find a little bit interesting about yours is that oftentimes what I've heard is that it was that second shot that really uh, kind of kicked things into full gear in terms of injury. But for you, it was a near immediate thing, which is pretty interesting. So what were your thoughts and what were you being told by uh, medical doctors when this all happened 20 minutes after the jab? I just assumed that it was a normal anaphylactic reaction and I thought that I would be fine. So I had had neurological symptoms come up within the first 12, 24 hours, but mm -hmm. they didn't really start piecing together for about a week where the people outside of me looked at me and said, okay, no, there's a problem. Um, I'm a ridiculously positive person and it takes a lot to get me on the dark side. So <laughs> I just kept thinking, I'm fine. I'll be fine. I just kept saying to my colleagues, I'll be back to work on Tuesday. You know, I'll be back to work. Just tell my patients I need another day. And uh, it, it took a bit for me to admit that something was more extreme than that. And doctors, they didn't really know what was going on. My breathing was fine the entire time. So my anaphylactic reaction, besides like rash and stuff, was yeah. very neurological. Yeah, it wasn't. Looking back now, you can see that there was a lot of stuff going on that we wouldn't have very likely acknowledged because you would have just thought, oh, you know, like just dismissed it like that's not, it's not relevant related. or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so it was anaphylactic, but not like a normal anaphylactic. It was mm -hmm. very odd. Mm-hmm. All right. And so then obviously you weren't back to work on Tuesday. Um, no. I 
recently, just well, recently, like 15 minutes ago, watched the trailer to your upcoming documentary, Invisible Fences. And, um, you know, in that trailer, there's some documentation, some video of what you were dealing with uh, in terms of your physical um, and and I would say mental and neurological issues that you were dealing with, which seemed incredibly extreme uh, from the video. What kind of walk us through, if you don't mind, that first week or so after the shot, once you recognized this wasn't just an allergic reaction, there was more going on. What were you seeing? What was happening? I kind of felt like we knew that people were having flu-like symptoms after. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wrapped myself into that category um, and just rested. But I had weird symptoms as far as I couldn't turn my head. I actually couldn't lift my head. Um, I was just exhausted and I had some girlfriends come over to visit me about five, well, not six, four, but four, four days, four days. It, it was, was only like four, four days. days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Four days later. And, um, I was trying to talk to them and I couldn't communicate and I just kind of slid down my cupboards. And that's when we really realized, like, something that's really wrong here. Mm -hmm. And that was after yeah. she'd been in the hospital twice. Like, they took her to the hospital immediately after she reacted and then mm -hmm. was released after, like, you know, Benadryl, Epi, and then sent home. And then 24 hours after that, all of her symptoms returned. And mm -hmm. so she went back up to the hospital and they treated her with the exact same thing and sent her home again. So then you had like your daughter's birthday in the midst of all of that. So you were yes. kind of distracted with that. And then it was like, so it was about day four mm -hmm. um, I, I, that things just kind of went sideways. Like something just, I personally wasn't there, but um, a couple of her friends were here and she just like, wasn't communicating. Like her speech was gapping and you had some weird, like just disorientation kind of confusion and, I mean, I guess what they call now brain fog, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I hate that word, Me brain too. fog. <laughs> like it doesn't, um, it doesn't justify how um, it's not how really a fog. It hey, it's like a swamp. Yeah, it, it's like <laughs> when when your cells are not firing, it's almost like uh, when I feel it, it's almost like a visualization of death of these cells. You know, our cells are supposed to be these like beautiful, well wired machines. And when they're not working properly, it's, it's really, you know, it's really, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and as I was saying before we hit record, I've uh, been so blessed to meet so many amazing people who've been injured and family members of injured people. And um, it's, it's not a particularly easy thing to do this podcast because I hear so much tragic stuff right and it's and and certainly it's easier for me to do the podcast than for the guests that I have on the podcast I'm sure but what has been really interesting to me is the that there are so many similarities between people who have been injured and in terms of the injuries themselves there's a lot of similarities and certainly some people it's you know cardiovascular stuff my like myocarditis a lot of people and it seems the bulk of the people that I've uh, met with have had more neurological issues mm -hmm. uh, like what you're describing. Uh, but one of the things that seems to be a very similar uh, occurrence is the um, 
and, and I'm really curious how you're going to answer this because I don't know what your story is really yet, is the way that people have been treated by medical doctors, hospitals, facilities, post-injury uh, with any combination of potential gaslighting or just being told that there's no way that that's what that this is. This is a coincidence or whatever else. So yours happened 20 minutes after you were injected. It's relatively difficult, I would anticipate, for people to say, well, I had nothing to do with it. It's just a coincidence. But how did it go down? Were what were the responses yeah. of practitioners? Yeah, you would think so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I immediately got a new family doctor because my family doctor was a little bit confused with what was going on. Um, and I got a great new doctor that has been supportive and highly educated about vaccine injuries. I think you should tell him why your first doctor was confused. Yeah, my first, yeah, it was just awful. Yeah, my first doctor, um, he gave me a pregnancy test. Like I've, I've had a hysterectomy. <laughs> and uh, and okay. his thought was I should give her a pregnancy test. Maybe she's hysterical. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. Um, and he just thought that I had a lot of anxiety, um, which I had never suffered with before. No. Um, and he thought that maybe I had vertigo, um, even though dizziness has never been a symptom of mine. Um so, you know, I'm lucky that I have a medical background, so I knew how to advocate for certain things. So sure. I immediately, when he said vertigo, I called him back into my hospital room and I said, look, like, I need to make sure that you're not putting that in my file. You're not discussing this in my charts. And um, then we called around and we got me another doctor right away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The local neurologist was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your initial care in the hospital was not bad. Yeah. Right. It's everything kind of following that totally was not great, but um, yeah, you did have a great ne neurologist in the beginning. Yeah. In the beginning, she was very supportive. Um, in the end, not so much. In the end, not so much. Yeah. She, um, she immediately realized that her general neurology testing wasn't sufficient so she researched a vascular neurologist because at this point I think she knew it had crossed my blood brain barrier and wanted to get me more help. And that's when things spiraled downhill. And In terms of your care? Exactly. Just, okay. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind walking us through that just a little bit? The neurologist that I saw, it was a five hour drive. And so at that point, we didn't realize that I couldn't be in a car, that travel was just not good for my system. So by the time that I arrived there, I was essentially just a ball. Yeah, you got she got way worse on the car ride to go see this other neurologist. So the car ride and all the movement and the motion and the sound and everything that uh, she didn't realize amplified her injury like just ramped it up. So then you that's when you started like convulsions. Oh yeah. Right? Like she didn't convulse. She would have like a shaky leg for a little bit, but then it was like full body. full body, right? Um yeah, so she was you were not in good shape when you got there. No. And then she went to go see this neurologist and I remember going with like my parents drove me and I was going over my will with them 
on the ride. Like that was the first time that I thought, okay, I'm not going to get out of this. You need to make sure that this happens with my kids. Like I started, that was the first time I started that talk. And when we walked into the building, I remember being so overwhelmed by the lights and the sounds of the office and the phone and the clicking of the computer that I was Mm -hmm. trying to, all I wanted to do was to hide underneath a chair in the waiting room. Very similar to some of my severely autistic patients that would present in my office. Mm. And it was, it was really terrifying and terrifying for my parents that have always seen me healthy. Right. And that neurologist, we were there for maybe three hours and she was dismissive. She diagnosed me with functional neurological disorder. She refused to say it was connected to the vaccine. She said I would be better. Maybe. Most people get better. You were there for three hours, but how long, how much time did you actually spend with her? Like how much time did she spend in the room with you? Like 10, 15 minutes maybe. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So a 10 minute, 15 minute conversation doesn't check over anything, mm-hmm. doesn't ask barely any questions, and then just says, this is what's happening. Bye. And her resident was horrified. Her resident was amazing. I would love to actually find him and see where he is in his practice. Because it's not a bad idea. Right? Like mm-hmm. he knew he took the test to further mm-hmm. levels and he could tell what was going on, where she went right back to that basic set of reflexes and was just like dismissive and you're fine. And then when I gave her, you know, the vaccine compensation papers from Canada, because yeah. Um, you know, I'm self-employed and I'm a single mom. And, you know, at this point I was trying not to lose my home already. Right. And um, Mm -hmm. we're all kind of on a paycheck to paycheck thing with the economy right now. And I was trying to get that paperwork processed and she essentially threw them in my face. Yeah. Okay. So it's, doesn't sound a whole lot different than what I've heard from so many other people where maybe their injury occurred, you know, weeks or the, the, oh, the yeah. symptoms occurred weeks later, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And so then we're two over two years now out mm-hmm. from this event and you've got, you're working on a documentary. There's a few other questions I want to ask, but I think I want to fast forward for just a moment at two years and a month ish since this happened. Um, where are you at with your health now? What's changed? Well, I'm no longer using a cane. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I need it. Sometimes you need it. Okay. I Yesterday we went for a walk. You didn't take it. I didn't take it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. It's huge, <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's a lot of positives. I can communicate with you. you with know? her eyes open. She couldn't talk with her eyes open um, for so long. For you so still long. have moments, but it's so much better. Most people close their eyes when they talk to me anyway, so <laughs> that, that'd be fine. <laughs> did you take your earphones yesterday? No. So she, when she yes. leaves the house, she always has to have like noise canceling headphones in because she's hypersensitive to loud sounds, right? Mm-hmm. She'll wear a hat a lot of the times just to block out light and motion because she's hypersensitive to Still a lot of sensory oh, sensitivity. <laughs> As I'm like waving my hand next to her. <laughs> Oh God! I'm oh, usually much more self-aware. Great. <laughs> um, you don't like have to hide behind buildings and stuff when we walk downtown anymore. That's true, right? <laughs> Winning. 
<laughs> less, less hiding behind objects. Yeah. Yeah. I can go into some public places. Occasionally, I mm-hmm. can go to the grocery store. It's a big feat. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we traveled. We went down to Mexico to go get stem cells. Um, yeah. That was possible. It was very difficult. We did it. But we did it. Yeah. 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 I. It was really hard. <laughs> it was really hard. Yeah. Airplanes are not her friend. Oh, I can't um, imagine. They're so the... loud, right? Yeah. It's so yeah. just, there's so much. They're so loud. If you don't have any neurological issues, yeah. it's a, a no, mm-hmm. I don't think, know of anybody that loves jumping on a jet. <laughs> no. Um, flying especially for an extensive length of time. But yeah, the, the things I've heard about the kind of sensory overload that happens and the mm-hmm. sensory sensitivity, uh, again, you, you, some of these things are just so familiar. I've heard them so many yeah. times. And now. we had like in the group that we talk to regularly, we've got a group of injured people and it's all the same, right? Like the biggest, yeah. the biggest complaints are migraines, which Kristen has joint pain, which Kristen has um, elevated heart rates. There's a lot of elevated heart rate mm-hmm. stuff. Like pots, which Kristen has. Um, what else? The convulsions are kind of like, I think everyone in the group has them that with the neuro- neurological symptoms, but some of them are internal and some of them are external. Uh, yeah. Like those yeah. internal vibrations, you get both, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, mine are mainly external. Yeah. Yeah, and they say that uh, the, the COVID vaccines, I've seen this, are the leading cause of coincidence. Um, yes. Right. And and mm-hmm. it seems that there's also this interesting thing that I don't think I I don't know that I've conducted an interview with someone who's been injured yet that hasn't said that they were initially diagnosed with anxiety. Mm-hmm. So oh, I'm yeah. almost wondering if anxiety is the is the leading symptom of, uh, you know, of this stuff, because that's what it always gets. You have anxiety as, right? it it's a, after your COVID shot, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a mental yeah. health issue. You have to be crazy because safe and effective, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, over the last two years, we got past this, you know, crazy neurological appointment you had uh, very mm-hmm. uh, close to the injury. Uh, obviously, well, I don't know if it's obvious. I assume you've seen many practitioners since for a variety of different uh, potential treatments and things like that. What have you found success with? Uh, what's worked? What hasn't worked? Uh, I, I know a lot of people listening are uh, your fellow injured uh, mm-hmm. that certainly are looking for options uh, in their own care as well. I yeah. was very lucky because I was involved in the natural health world. So mm-hmm. I had colleagues coming to my house, giving me acupuncture appointments every day. Mm-hmm. I had my, um, my one colleague was a chiropractor. And so she was at my house adjusting my neck because I was throwing my body out of alignment. You know, sometimes right. I was dislocating my wrist from oh, my compulsion. Yeah, I forgot about your wrist. Right? Oh, it was awful. Oof. Yeah. So I was lucky that I had mm. those treatments. And I think that number one, it's important to have that balance of care. And so many people, you know, we're looking for what is it that's going to make us better. But there is not one thing that can align the body. Right. Right. It's a dance of multiple symptoms and multiple treatments. Mm -hmm. So I use my acupuncture and my chiro and I get a lot of osteopathic treatments that make a big difference. Cranial sacral. Those are the things that keep me functioning emotionally and physically. 
Um, but I did the series through Dr. Corey. I took Maraviroc and that made a massive difference for me. Yeah. You were on a pretty strict protocol. Yeah. And it was horrible. It was horrible. It was, like it was, it was really rough. hard on her body and it did make a big difference. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And that's that HIV protocol. And yeah. then I also got stem cells. Yeah. Yeah, that, and in Mexico is where you got the stem cells. Have you just been for one I originally or? went to Panama. So oh, okay. almost immediately after my injury, my family got together, swooped me up, and brought me to Panama. And yeah, that saved my life without a doubt. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think that I would have survived if I didn't have them. I was three months out. I already had muscle wasting. I think I would have been online to the similar diagnosis of some of us that are getting ALS and stuff. Like I was in really bad shape. You were. And mm -hmm. after I got the stem cells, I regained the ability to lift my head. And I remember mm -hmm. the first time I looked at my daughter and not even consciously realizing that I hadn't even yeah. seen the faces of my children. Yeah. Cause she was stuck wow. down. Like we have pictures of her that it, you know, she's standing beside her dad and looking up like this. Yeah. Like, like she couldn't, it was really weird. How many kids do you have? I have three. And how old are they? I have two 18 year olds and a 14 year old. Okay. So thank goodness they're older and they can feed themselves sure. and feed me. But yeah. Two years ago, Man. they were a little bit younger, and it was um, it was pretty impactful for them, for sure. Oh, mm -hmm. I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, how are they doing with all this? It's rough. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot for kids to go through, and yeah. yeah, it is. And they just want to be kids, and they should be able to just be kids, right? Like they, yeah, yeah. and you know. Like when I can't go downstairs mm -hmm. to put the food that we've cooked in the fridge because at nighttime, I literally can't walk downstairs. And right. So your mom's always texting you at 11 o'clock at night. Did you put the chicken away? Right. Like mm -hmm. you got to cook tonight. Like it, it's mm -hmm. there's things on their plate that they shouldn't necessarily have on their plate. But they're also things that are giving them a lot of resilience and life skills. And yeah. they're really good at grocery shopping. They're now. really good at grocery shopping. <laughs> and yeah. they're really good at carrying their mom up to bed. Yeah. Like sometimes my son literally puts me over his shoulder yeah. and carries me to bed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like to ask some of those questions because I think people listening maybe that aren't as familiar with these stories, because again, unfortunately, there's so many similarities in this story, these stories. If you haven't heard a bunch of them like I have, uh, it's it's probably a little hard to wrap your head around the in, the complete life changing uh, impact of this. I mean, mm -hmm. it, everything gets upside down and it doesn't just impact. I, I love what you said in the beginning. You know, one is physically injured, but both of your lives uh, were injured and certainly your children's lives. And, and I'm sure beyond that as well, we've mentioned your parents as well, right? So there's all mm -hmm. kinds of people that get impacted by this stuff. Sure, yeah. So then now uh, the first I saw of either of you was this little five minute trailer that'll be linked uh, in the description of the podcast for anyone that uh, would like to watch it uh, for a documentary that you're currently working on uh, that is called Invisible Fences. Uh, one thing that I am so 
grateful for right now with what has transpired with these vaccines is that we do live in an age where we have a lot of potential to expose the truth if indeed we can get past censorship and some of the other issues that we've dealt with. And of course, that's why we have this podcast. Podcasts, for whatever reason, seem to still be relatively uncensored. Uh, and so we're able to get the information out there here. Um, and uh, while we can't put a lot of this stuff on YouTube, we can put it on places like Rumble, uh, where if you're listening to this show, by the way, and you'd like to see video, you'd like to actually see the people that I interview, uh, then Rumble is the place to, to do that. All of the shows are are up there as videos. And of course, documentaries are a really amazing uh, potential opportunity to expose this information to people. So the first question I have is, why did you decide that you were going to put in the effort to make a documentary? It's no small feat, uh, <laughs> as I understand it. Um, well, in the beginning, um, I run my own multimedia company in Nelson. So um, in the beginning, Kristen was just having these really weird symptoms. So um, I just started filming them for like medical purposes, mm -hmm. uh, and just because it was really strange what was going on. And a lot of the people that I spoke to about her injury didn't really believe me. And it is, and I've said this a lot of times that, you know, you really do have to see it to believe it. Yeah. It is very odd. I've never in my life experienced anything like this. I've never seen anyone, you know, have this kind of illness. Yeah. Um, so I started recording it and we started just kind of like getting a little bit loud on social media with it, trying to reach out to people, like letting people know that this was happening. Um, and you know, we were not getting a lot of traction. We were getting a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, heated conversations. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then one day I was just, um, with my daughter going into a grocery store and a friend of mine, uh, came up to me and asked me how I was doing. And um, during that time, I was like, you know, you never, you never really know how to react when somebody asks you how you are, especially during the pandemic. So I was just like, Oh, I'm fine. How are you? And he was like, No, like, how are you really? Like, how's Kristen? How are you guys? And then I just started sobbing. And we had a really long conversation. And he runs a, a media company in town as well. Oh. Um, and so he was like, Well, I think, that your guys' story is something that needs to, you know, be expanded. And he said, I think a documentary. And I was like, I think you're right. You know, we need to get beyond what we're doing now. What we're doing now is not working. Um, there's a lot of people out there that need help. Uh, and there's a lot of people that need to hear these stories that aren't hearing them that because they're so censored and so blocked for whatever reason, right? Well, we know why, but, um, and we really want to reach the, there's so many people out there that haven't even put it together. Yeah. And that really probably need help and are alone, you know, and don't have support like Kristen and I have each other, right? We both have beautiful families that support us as well. But what about the people that don't have those things? Yeah. Um, and so we're kind of on a mission to just um, find a way to break through all this censorship and um, let people know that they exist. There's, way more of them um, than, you know, what's being told in the media and they're everywhere. Um, and so my friend Nate and I uh, got together and he's now directing and I'm producing and we've been um, filming together for about a year now. 
and I was filming on my own for a, about a year previous to that. So mm-hmm. now we've got a little bit more momentum. Um, we've got a little team together. And uh, we did a fundraiser not too long ago that didn't get a lot of traction because we are so censored and shadow banned that we just couldn't get um, a lot of people looking at it. So our goal now um, is to just just keep trying to gain some momentum with fundraising so that we can get to these people and continue to tell these stories. Um, and so that's where we're at right now. We just went to Guadalajara with Kristen to take her to get stem cells uh, because she cannot continue to be part of this film. She's not healthy. So that was our priority. Um, we filmed all of that. Uh, and our next step is to go down to um, Utah. Oh, really? Yeah, and see our friend. Come Bree. see us. See our friend exactly. Bree. You're in Maybe Utah. You, you want to? You're in Utah. Well, yeah. I live an hour away from Bree. Oh, perfect. perfect. That would Let's be amazing. Uh, yeah, so that great. is our next stage, and um, yeah, we're just fundraising to keep the momentum going because we have a lot of stuff still to to film. Um, so it's invisiblefencesfilm.com is our website and, uh, we're taking donations on there. There's lots of options for people if they want to check it out. Our trailer is on there too, if you want to watch it. Excellent. We'll put all those links, uh, in there. So if you're driving around listening to this or whatever, when you get stopped, look at the show description and all the links for the trailer and the website and all that'll be there. Uh, so then I have to ask this question. I think it's a little different for everybody, but I'm sure I'll hear, uh, some things that I've heard before as well. Um, when when you're in a position like you're in, your primary goal, obviously, is trying to get your health back, right? I mean, that's got to be number one. Uh, and then while you're also trying to uh, be a mom and you're also trying to do these other things that, you know, you were that your life was about prior to all of this. But the health thing has to come first. But the documentary is it's a lot of work right and it's a lot of work for everybody involved it's work for you being on camera it's also a lot of vulnerability you certainly don't look your best in the trailer i'll tell you that what do you mean i can i can only say that because half my friends are injured people But but I think you know what I mean, right? Like right now, this is a thing I say to to Brie all the time. Brie looks amazing every time I see her. She looks fantastic. I was thinking about today, her hair is always great. Yeah, she always looks great. And she's super well-spoken. She's Mm, really good at faking it. I mean, really, that's what it boils down to. Because I know how she really feels. We talk about this stuff. We know. I know what her symptoms are like. I've seen her at the end of the day sitting on her living room couch, and she looks like she just went to war. Exactly. And all she did was stand up for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I've seen this, and I've seen it time and time again. Not just with her. It's just that I know her the best. And so, you know, while I'm joke around a little bit about whether or not you look great in the film. You look great right now, right? I'm looking at you now. You got a big smile on your face. And for people that are un, uninitiated to this, they would think she doesn't look that bad off to me. Right. right? But then in the doc or in the uh, trailer, I see you hobbling along on a cane. You just talk about how going to the grocery store is a real feat, which sounds ridiculous until you're there. Right. Yeah. And then you're still going to take put the energy in to put aside all of this crap you're going through and put out a documentary. So why? What's the point? 
I think that the community that we've established through all of this has been so life-changing and the pandemic was a really difficult time for everybody and having an injury that was so controversial was very traumatic and the only way to really get through that is to see the lighter side like the lighter side of things and that was possible through these groups and friendships that developed. And we want to meet those people, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We just went through something that was so crazy that it's hard to even comprehend. And we just really want to share that side of it. I, I just think it's so important it's so weird before any of this happened, I would have been really like, I hated having my picture taken. Right. (laughs) Like I, I, Oh my God, Jamie did all of my social media stuff for my business. People would always say, Oh, your quotes are so positive. And I'd be like, thank you. (laughs) Like I just didn't like it. Right. I've always been like an extrovert in Mm. a small contained area, but right. Um, it's weird how all of that stuff just falls away when it yeah. no longer matters. It just right? doesn't. Yeah. And yeah. there's so much more. It's not just about, I mean, it is about you and what you're going through. And it's about everything around that, right? Yes. It's about our families, our friendship, right? the people we've met, what we've been through, like the healthcare system, what that journey has looked like. And just connecting with other people and letting them know they're not alone. Because no human should be alone or shamed for something that they're going through, right? And it's full just stop. full stop. Yeah. And what we both have personally have been through in our lives in the last two years and what we have lost and what we have experienced, that in, in itself is astounding. Um, and we have a lot of support. So I think every day about what people that don't have the level of support that we do are going through. And I just want to find them all. Like, right. That is why we're doing this because yeah. it's so important. It's it's been a really interesting journey for me uh, going through this process from the day I met Brienne Dressen uh, at a legislative meeting in in hearing in uh, Salt Lake City, uh, talking about uh, employer mandates for for the vaccines. And I knew who she was because I'd seen her on the Ron Johnson panel, uh, you know, uh, prior to that. And I knew she was a Utah, but I had no idea if she would be at this event. And uh, but I went because I was uh, fully in favor of, you know, not mandating any of this stuff. So I'm sitting there in a uh, in a separate room because it was a sellout crowd, so to speak. They had four or five overflow rooms full, and then they had the main hearing room. And I was upstairs in a corner of the Capitol building watching this with my sweetheart. And we're watching a video screen of what's happening downstairs. And the very last speaker, and they gave everybody, I think, a minute or 90 seconds or something like that, Mm -hmm. was Bree Dressen. And she stands up, and I'm like, I know who that is. I know who that Mm -hmm. is. I saw we saw her on these videos. I, I got to meet her because when I saw her on the Ron Johnson thing, found out she was in Utah, I thought, you know, I, I need someone like that on on my my other podcast, Vitality Radio, because I knew at that point that there were hundreds of millions of people that didn't know that this was even a possibility. 
that this could happen, right? And I unfortunately had a little bit of a, an insider's view and saw a lot more of this stuff happening than maybe most people did at that point. So anyway, I ran down the stairs and was like, I got to make sure I catch this lady and, and talk to her and get to know her. And it's been such a huge blessing in my life to have her, at, not just to be able to call her a friend, but to just gain so much strength from watching her fight. And what I've seen over the last year and a half since I've known her is the awareness level just blossoming beautifully. So many more people yeah. are now aware. They almost, I think there are very few people anymore that don't know someone that has something going on post-vaccination, <laughs> right? Yeah. Even if it's not, you know, severe stuff like yeah. what we're talking about with Kristen, totally. but you know, tinnitus and headaches and tinnitus. fatigue and yeah. you know, all the things, right? All the things. And so the awareness is there and, uh, or at least it's much, much better than it was, but there's still, for me, one of the things that i that I find frustrating is that while a lot of people know what's going on or have seen things, there doesn't seem to be the kind of cry that needs to be heard to stop this madness mm -hmm. and to, and to support those who were damaged in the process. Isn't it awful? And it's I think, Unfortunately, until somebody goes through, like J Jamie has had a lot of judgment with the amount of support she's given me over the last couple of years with some people in her life. And I think until you almost lose your best friend or until your dad dies or your child is injured, you it's just easier to turn and look the other way. Yeah. You know? Keep living life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Stay in your yeah. bubble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, and I I think we're all past we that time. We're all past the time where we can just keep the blinders on and look straight ahead. I, I, I really hope so. It, no, there's no going back for us. No, there's right. only plowing forward in full force, and that yeah. is what we're doing. Yeah. We well, I admire you both. Uh, <laughs> I admire you both so much for doing that, and and for putting for showing strength in a time of, of potential great weakness uh, is, is really important. Are there any other things? I mean, for, for the people listening, what, what would you say they need to hear in terms of what they can do uh, to try and support people in your shoes? I just think that people need to have less judgment of others. Yeah. On all avenues. Yeah. And compassion. Yeah. Yeah. We're all human. Yeah. We're all going through something mm -hmm. and we need community. Mm -hmm. yeah. We need to take care of each other. Yeah. And yeah. And just because you don't share the same experience doesn't mean that your experience isn't valid. Absolutely. Right. We yeah. all have different paths and that doesn't mean that we're different in all aspects, right? Like we're all human beings. Yeah, there's there's more common ground I think amongst all of us than Absolutely. maybe most of us are willing to admit. Yeah. And and one of the things that I think is also so tragic about the COVID years uh, that we've the, we've been dealing with is that it seems the divide has gotten greater, not smaller. You know, through this yeah. process, in fact, much greater. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is there. What I hope that this podcast does, and the reason I I do the podcast, the reason I have people like yourselves on is I hope that it just touches a few hearts and brings a few tears and gets people to feel 
yes. uh, a little bit more than just think and uh, awesome. and become more aware and share that awareness and speak up and you know say what needs to be heard. So your your documentary, I keep wanting to call it a podcast. I guess I'm pigeonholed in what I do <laughs> on a day to day basis. But your documentary um, is going to be not just about your story. There will be other injured people that are being interviewed. Is that accurate? Yes. The, okay. the story begins with Kristen and myself and um, how we have experienced her injury uh, through our friendship. Right. And um, and then how we have come across this gigantic worldwide community of other injured people and <clears throat> and how that has impacted her life and essentially like given her the strength to go on. And so we want to incorporate those people into this film as well film her meeting them, talk about their lives, um, what their experiences have been like, and um, keep it very organic, very like down to, like through the eyes of the injured essentially is yeah, the whole yeah. film, starting with Kristen and myself and our journey through it together. I love that idea. That sounds amazing. And I'm, I'm really excited for the finished product to come out. So we'll have, again, we'll have links for the, for the website, uh, links where you can donate, as well as a link to YouTube for the trailer uh, that you can see, uh, which again, I just watched right before we started this interview. And it's something that you need to, it's something that you need to see and that you need to share. Get the word out. If you're listening and you want to help, those are ways that you can help. And I would highly encourage you to do that. Uh, what else would you like to share while I've got you here today? Just thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for hearing us and for having us on your show. And we just, we want to reach as many people as possible. We're open to doing interviews with other people as well. If anyone knows of somebody else that would like to interview us, we would love that. So all of our contact information is on our webpage as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, awesome. at invisiblefancesfilm.com. Kristen is like getting a little bit uh, <laughs> I can see. shaky. Yeah. So. Usually yeah, she taps on, out around an hour. <laughs> if you're on the if you're on the audio, um, I do encourage you to go to the dearly um, discarded pod on Rumble so that you can watch video because it does put an added layer of real reality uh, in the mix when you start to see when I start to see the person I'm interviewing start to shake and not be yeah. able to control bodily motions and things like that. And mm -hmm. Kristen, thank you for your strength, your willingness to get on camera with me and, and do this. I will plug you into a couple of people that I know that can hopefully help you expose your story a little bit more, get more word amazing. out on the movie. And uh, I, consider me your friend and ally. If you have anything that I can do in the future, please let me know. And please look me up when you come to Utah. Yes. I would love to meet you both. Yes. Thank you so much. That. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to let you rest, Kristen. Uh, and uh, again, for everybody listening, all of the links will be in the show description. And uh, go check out uh, the website one more time, invisiblefencesfilm.com. Yes. Yes. Okay. Invisiblefencesfilm.com. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you both so very much. Thank you so much for having us. Have such a good day. Absolutely. And for you listening, thank you for joining us as well. I know these stories aren't the easiest ones to hear. Please listen and please share. I appreciate you very, very much as well. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been the Dearly Discarded Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. We encourage you to help break through the silence and share this episode with your friends and family. It's time for these stories to not only be told, 
but to be heard. For more information, head to react19.org and dearlydiscardedpod.com. The Dearly Discarded Podcast is produced by Jared St. Clair and Michaela Hyde with support from React 19. We'll be back next week with another true story from one who lives it. Until then, join us on Team Humanity. Keep an open mind, seek the truth, and share these stories. Most of all, open your mouth. Silence won't change anything. React 19 needs your support. We're a grassroots nonprofit created by the COVID vaccine injured for the COVID vaccine injured. React 19 provides physical support through scientific research and physician referrals, financial support to those most in need for uncovered medical expenses, and emotional support by growing a community that's focused on compassionate advocacy, hope, fellowship, and improving lives. We can only do these things with your support. Your donation is tax deductible and any amount is greatly appreciated. You can also sign up for automatic monthly donations. The vaccine injured have been marginalized, censored, and discarded, but they have not been broken. Help them rise to the challenge today. Visit react19.org for more information or simply text the word REACT to 50155 and donate via text. 